Sins and Coffee, your go-to podcast for society and culture conversations hosted by I, Rioba. Sabal Khairi. How are you? Welcome back to our weekly podcast, Sins and Coffee. I'm your host, Rioba. How have you been? Have you enjoyed your week? I want to ask you a million questions, but you know me and 411, but 411 needs to come first. So, a few years ago, we were super obsessed with this series called The Walking Dead. Okay, I'm sorry for speaking for everybody. I was super obsessed with the series The Walking Dead. You know, the idea of zombies and survival and reunions and the idea that death was preventable, only that you'd have to like come back as a zombie. It was super exciting for me. But at some point, it became too redundant, so I had to walk away. You know, when you're watching the same thing for season one, season two, season three, fourth, it becomes tiresome. But the relevance of this movie, of this series for me, was at the start of COVID-19. And I was like, okay, now things are just about to hit the roof. And today... As I think of The Walking Dead, I want to pose a question to you that will kind of tailor our conversation for today. And I want to ask you this question. Think about it really hard before you answer. Do you have access to information as much as you have access to the internet? The production of this episode is supported by DW Academy and financed by the German Corporation. All views expressed in this project are those of the project partner and do not reflect the views of DW or German Corporation. Access to information and access to the internet. So let me point out three things as I start this conversation. Number one, at the start of COVID-19, you would expect a reasonable government. If your government was being extremely reasonable, they'd be concerned about the welfare of their citizens. You know, focus on ensuring citizens have relief food or equipment and all that, especially people in informal settlements and people in remote areas, because these are people who'd be hit the hardest. Okay? But instead, we had a very funny government coming up with an expressway, dealing with roads and railways that are passing through personal land. Yeah, conversation for another day. Number two, you'll also assume that the burden of information sharing will lie with the government because, of course, they're the first point of contact in terms of communication during a pandemic. What I mean is, say you are the middle person between the teacher and the students. You're the class prefect, okay? The teacher tells you there is COVID-19. You... Instead of telling people there is COVID-19, you go like, put your masks on. And these are people who've never put masks on before. It's going to be chaotic. And it was. And finally, I would have expected that the Kenyan government would witness a huge sense of unity towards the common enemy. You know, like how we like to unite when we are cancelling people or how we unite when we are chasing after leaked videos on Twitter, hashtag KOT, hashtag Kenyans on Twitter. I expected the same amount of energy, but man, yeah, I didn't feel it. On today's conversation, I introduce you to the crisis communication chapter in Kenya. If you know me really well, you know I am very passionate about communications, especially in NGO spaces like nonprofit spaces. And so 
yeah this is going to be one of those mind blowing chapters you need to know about now statistics for this conversation to make sense at least 40% of kenyans have access to the internet however there still remains a challenge in accessing credible reliable and accurate information internet is when you can just log into your browser and search for anything accurate information is that possibility of you getting information that's not misinforming you or disinforming you now one would argue that access to the internet is directly proportional to access to the to information because of course you're logging onto your computer and voila you're getting the information however the opposite the opposite will be extremely true especially for me i feel like the opposite is true access to the internet does not guarantee accessible reliable and accurate information in fact ungoverned access to the internet often results in misinformation and disinformation what do i mean about this when we let our children go into the internet or rather when we let even elderly people just or anybody sorry anybody just go into the internet and look for whatever they want unless you understand how the internet world works you wouldn't know what's verified and what's just grapevine now that's where you know that's the bridge we are discussing today but back to the walking dead so covid-19 was such a novel and scary concept that it felt like the walking dead at least for me it was a virus that was affecting somebody's respiratory system still is but not as rampant as it was before and there was just not enough information on it because apparently the genes kept mutating and this was problematic for a lot of people so my experience was comic i swear having watched the walking dead just before the covid-19 pandemic my experience was comic I work in Kibera at a community based organization called Nubian Rights Forum and the unique factors of informal settlements mean that there's there's literally zero room for social distancing. So when COVID-19 hit and regulations streamed in, you know we were being told put on your masks, social distance, wash your hands and everything. When those regulations streamed in, you can imagine my dismay because we were expected to continue reporting to the office and with grapevine and speculations the one thing i knew was that once you get it wewe wewe kwisha wewe kufded you gone like ah, you're dead my friend so i used to go to the office come back to my house strip and then just stand at the door and cry before i pick my clothes because i assumed any day would be my last day i mean what on the ground is that you can get it from anywhere and you can die at any time now The contrast that even made it worse for me was that my hood became a ghost town where I stay no cars were passing on the road like they used to cuz I live in a very vibrant neighborhood there were no cars clubs were shut down it was deserted i swear it just felt like the walking dead for me and every time i'd step out of my balcony and peep out I'd just be expecting to see some people you know coming out <laughs> some people coming out of the trees and attacking everywhere and all that i only thank god that nobody robbed the supermarkets and left the shelves empty because then oh that would have been tragic and what remained constant was the fact that a great majority of our citizens knew no facts and relied on hearsay from those around them 
So it was no wonder, it, was, it wasn't a big wonder that as a country we were having a hard time getting people to follow the guidelines, especially during the pandemic when it was at its peak, when we were being told to observe the curfew and all that. It wasn't a big shock because without clear information, people will rarely do what you tell them to do. Without relieving specific moments of the COVID-19, one thing we can agree on is that it brought out the worst in some of our duty bearers. You know, people were being given information on a self-prescribed need-to-know basis, quote-unquote. For, for me, it felt like you would only get that information if you knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. You would get the resources if you knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. You'd only know where there is relief if you, you know, all that. And it was unfortunate that access to information during a pandemic was greatly affected by your own socioeconomic status in the country. Having worked in the informal settlement during this period, I can proudly say that a few people understood what COVID-19 was, yet the whole country knew it existed, okay? So a few people knew why they needed to keep safe, yet everybody knew how to keep safe. You're getting the difference? Very few people know why they need to keep safe, but a lot of people know how to keep safe. And since they don't know why they need to keep safe, then they wouldn't apply how to keep safe. Not forgetting, a few privileged people knew where the relief was, but didn't share this information with people who needed it. You know, take an example of when the Jackma container. Manze, vitus a charity, zinakuja, and they vanish. You know, things that were meant to be for relief, masks that were meant for people who genuinely need it. A few people who are privileged enough to be positioned in the right in the right spaces socioeconomically or vanishing with these goods because you can't tell me things can just disappear and nobody has an explanation for them. Let's be honest. People who are privileged knew where the relief was and they were not sharing this information with other people. I mean, a whole container of masks would not have prevented you from contacting COVID-19 if you're the only person in the room who doesn't have COVID-19. And getting into the hood because the 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 core of the crisis communication chapter is dealing with people who are in the informal settlements getting into the core of our first phase which was in kibera kibera was no different you know people really wish to understand was this a common flu or was this a rich man's flu or was this a politician's flu and the more they didn't get any information the more it just felt like this was a way for the government to siphon money from donors and the lack of information became a breeding ground for misinformation and disinformation I remember one day, this was funny, I was walking in Kibra and I had my mask on because the trend will be you put your mask on when you're in town, then when you get to the community, you take it off because nobody's putting it on. So I had my mask on and then this Boda Boda guy stops me and he's like, Madam, wewe, yo kitu kwa uso, ukoshua kuna COVID, ebu angalia around you, look around you, there is no COVID, we are not dying and all that. They couldn't understand why I was practicing how to keep safe. Even I didn't understand what was going on. I was just following government regulations. <laughs> yeah. So COVID-19 brought out the worst in our duty bearers in that they did not share information. So now on the realization that a lot of Kenyans were being carried babies by the government... The crisis communication chapter became very relevant. It became relevant because it 
would be there to bridge the gap in information sharing, especially when the information is very critical and very vital for the survival of the people who are in the community. At the onset of COVID-19, fact, access to information was scarce. It was on a need-to-know basis. As a result, people in informal settlements missed so much of the actual information and instead received mandates. So the crisis communication chapter's relevance was to ensure information on the ground was reliable, accurate, and useful, especially with regards to COVID-19. You know how we normally say qua ground? Yeah. COVID uh, crisis communication chapter was to ensure that qua ground, people were getting information. But then, even with the access to information, there still re- remain the challenge of access to... No, the challenge of accessible information. And accessible information, I think about it in two ways. Understanding the information being shared and two getting the information on understanding the information i promise you kenyans do not understand a lot of information they get because of the complex jargons that somebody has to use sorry sorry for using kenya as an example i think this is practical worldwide if you do not understand the jargons being used then you're not going to understand the information and people rarely ask for verification even with the complex jargons You know, they just, you know, go with the flow. And we do this often in spaces we are in. So story time. I mean, my podcast is not a podcast if it doesn't have story time. And I saved it for the last, I mean, I saved it for the last, last, last towards the end. So while attending the Young African Leaders Initiative, which is the Ali Cohort 33, a friend of mine called Peter and I were at, uh, like after a session at Brackenhurst, he asked me how the session was. And I promise you, I was floating in the class we had just left. Like I couldn't understand a lot of the concepts that were being explained. And I had also shared this with my facilitators, Lois and Heidi. So I began my speech for him. And you know how we go like, it's life changing. It's transformative. I'm going to change the world. And he was like, stop. Just stop it with the big thumbs. Tell me, how do you really feel? And what do you really understand about how far you've come? You know, we hide under words we don't understand. Because if we don't understand them, there's a likelihood other people will not understand them. And if they don't understand them, then they will pretend they understand so that they do not look dumb. And then we will pretend we have made sense because we want to look smart. So this uh, complex information needed to be broken down to chewable portions for everybody. And of course, aside from chewing it down, with informal settlements, you take the information to the people. It's very rare for them to come to you because... Their financial status and their ways of life might not allow them the luxury of attending a conference, reading this on the internet, buying a newspaper or magazine to go through to understand. No, you make sure you take it to them. So first chew it and then take it to them. See, the relevance of the crisis communication chapter, again, was not only with the community, but even duty bearers in the community. March 27th, 2020, if we all remember, the first human rights violation at the start of COVID-19 that received our public outcry. So 
when the dusk to dawn curfew was introduced, we had an incident at the ferry where it was close to 6 p.m. and the policemen attacked people who were trying to cross the ferry while trying to implement the COVID-19 regulations. You know, this error in conduct led to the death of at least six people. These were recorded deaths with no idea of how many deaths may have occurred as a result of that human right violation by the police. Worse, it may have increased the spread of COVID-19 because of how people were being manhandled. And aside from the human rights violations that were witnessed, the lack of information was also increasing misconceptions in the community that to date they haven't been dealt with like how people in the community believe COVID-19 is a rich people problem, COVID-19 does not exist, etc. These myths that were not handled are proving problematic to date because for you to convince somebody that this is how we need to go, that this is accurate and that is false, it's really hard. The relevance of the crisis communication chapter, therefore, was to handle some of those issues that were coming up in the community as a result of lack of information on COVID-19. So after feeding you with a lot of information, my key question for the day, who is the crisis communication chapter? So this was a chapter that was formulated with the result of the analysis of the spectacular gaps in information during the COVID-19 pandemic. And they, had, they, they genuinely had one role to play, one role. Make sure the community was kept in the loop on any accurate information being shared. Take it to the people. So it is a multi-stakeholder collaboration that came together to ensure members of the community, specifically Kibera for phase one, receive timely and reliable information. And you know, as a community, there are different authorities. So it had CSOs, these are the, you know, community organizations such as Shofcore, Nubian Rights Forum, Umande Trust. These are some of the organizations that came on board. The beauty of it is that it also had the Ministry of Health um, in partnership with the Nairobi Metropolitan Services the media and community members they all came together to ensure that in their own spaces of authority people will get the accurate information and this chapter is an activity pro, uh, activity of the project Reliable Information Saves Lives by DW Academy the German Cooperation and DW so the initial days of the, the phase involved rigorous, rigorous training. You know, you've got to make people genuinely understand why is that information, or rather why is reliable information very important, specifically in informal settlements. And then there was the inclusion of the community, mapping out the areas that needed a lot of information, and finally dissemination of information. And I'm proud to report that as an independent observer, the project reached more than 50% of the households in the community. So from the theater and arts that were used to display information, the IEC materials like banners and posters and t-shirts, and the my favorite of them all, the door-to-door -door campaign that had uh, representatives from an organization called NUSO, which is the Nubian University Students Organization. So they volunteered to go to the community and educate the people on COVID-19. I mean, the beauty of how people were working together was just amazing. Amazing. So basically, this collaboration between different stakeholders, this, this, this concern for the community, this love for volunteering, did the one thing that the government had not done 
to fulfill or, or rather to completion for its people. They made sure the community, in spite of the socioeconomic status of the people, was involved in something that was a matter of national importance. But that being said, I just want to take this opportunity to appreciate the crisis communication chapter for the much they have done for the community. And we are looking forward to hearing from individuals on what their experiences were. And finally, what has been your experience with COVID-19? I mean, depending on where you come from, how was it? What do you know about COVID? What don't you know? What is still a mystery to you? Let me know about it and we will definitely share it during our next session. And I go back to the question that I asked you at the start. Do you have access to information or do you have access to the internet? When you log into the internet, do you know where to get the accurate information from? If you get it, is it something you can understand? If not, is there somewhere else you can get that information? And what can we do about increasing our access to reliable, accurate information in society? And I'm gonna call it a wrap at that. Thank you so much for listening in. Send your thoughts on the episode. And of course, we will be giving a shout out to one of us next week concerning this topic of discussion. Remember, if you haven't followed us on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter, the links are attached in the synopsis. And of course, from whatever platform you're listening in, uh, listening in from, take time to appreciate us, favorite us, follow us, review us, and of course, share with everybody that wants to have a conversation between strangers. Cheers.